Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. Welcome back to the official Slow Smoke Week 2 Preview Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my two lovely co-hosts, Holt Smash, who just texted me, told, told me to suck my tits, and Mr. J.B. Brooks. Holt, why would you text me something like that to make me laugh before we started? Um, you know, honestly, like, I just wanted to test your focus. Um, I just want to see if you're like really focused in on this podcast, or if you were easily distracted by a uh, by just a little, just a little funny insult, Mr. JB Brooks. It's been about uh, I would say eight hours since uh, Jeremy Pruitt's kicked off somebody on Tennessee's team. Has he done any? Has he kicked anybody else off since we last talked about it? Um, he actually has two players that left the program. You know, I probably jumped the gun when I texted you today that he kicked them off. Uh, the story is that um, those two players chose to leave the program. Uh, one of them, namely, is Jordan Murphy, who uh, you know sent out a tweet a couple days ago, uh, a laughing tweet about the loss. My take is that um, even though Jeremy Pruitt says he left the program, my my thought is that he was going to give the player some internal punishment, and the player did not want to go through the internal punishment, so he just voluntarily left the program. No, I, so I understand those two players. Those, those are the ones that came out earlier. I'm just asking anybody since then, have they kicked off a, not Garantano, but Garantano since then or anybody else? No. Nobody else. JB, if you were Tennessee coach, would you just let Juwan Jennings coach the whole team? Oh, excuse me. Sorry. <laughs> Caught JB off guard. If you were a Tennessee coach, would you just let Juwan Jennings coach the whole team? I mean, it probably couldn't be any worse. I mean, honestly, you just need guys on that team that are, you know, excited to play and excited to put on that orange jersey that they are, you know, there for four years to do. And when you have half a team of guys that just aren't enthusiastic to be playing on that team, then it's toxic and it creates a toxic atmosphere. And then when you got player, half the team on the field that doesn't give their 100%, you know, and they're all, then it definitely uh, causes a lot of turmoil. Well, you got you to gotta build it brick by brick. Am I right, Holt? That's exactly right. As uh, JB reads my text messages, that someone <laughs> he like looks over at my phone and like reads my text like mid podcast. <laughs> well, it's like it's kind of creepy. If it makes you feel better, he he doesn't discriminate. He reads everybody's texts when you're texting next to him around him at football games, basketball games. He's always peeping over the next row to see what what good gossip he can find in somebody else's text message. Yeah, yeah you'd be right. you'd be surprised what kind of text messages you can read from people that text. You know, they're whoever they're texting that's sitting directly in front. of 
you. Like, they just hold their phone out in the open, too. And, you know, I have pretty good eyesight with my contacts and that awesome prescription I have. So I'm able to read anything that's put in front of me. I will admit I have done that before, but the most embarrassing thing would happen or the most embarrassing that could happen is somebody catches you peeping their phone and it's just, it's just not good to be, it's only, I think it's only happened like once or twice to me, but like if it happens to you, it's just, it's not the most embarrassing thing. It could be worse, but I'm just saying it's, it's kind of embarrassing. Yeah, but luckily we got, uh, you know, some football to talk about. So I know we're going to be peeping on some uh, good college games on Saturday. True that. Oh, are you ready to put some respect on Colin Hill's name? Dude, I really am. He rushed for almost 200 yards last week, and I feel like no one's really talking about him. But it's all good because his moment's coming. He was my he's my breakout player of the year um, this year. I think a lot of people like know who he is, but I feel like he has a chance to be maybe first team all-conference by the end of the year. I really think he's that good. If he's able to stay healthy – and Moorhead doesn't screw around and actually gives him the ball this year, then I think he has a chance to really have a big year. I meant to tweet that out earlier um, about putting some respect on Kylan Hill's name. I feel like that would get a little bit of traction just because we do have a large state following. Um, big game this week, Holt, for the – is it Little Brother Southern Miss? You know, we don't really, um, you know, really go with all that. Um, you know, I know Ole Miss likes to, uh, you know, talk crap to some – you know, group of five rivals and uh, called them little brother and then go up there and lose and, you know, only have like 175 yards of total offense. Um, but we don't really, you know, at Mississippi State don't really like do that. Um, we respect our opponents. And, uh, you know, honestly, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Mississippi State Southern Miss all-time series is actually tied. So, uh, you know, uh, obviously Southern Miss had some really good teams in the, in the 90s, um, in the early 2000s. And, um, you know, Mississippi State had some ripe years in there as well. So, you know, the the um, all-time series is actually uh, pretty close. Southern Miss is supposed to be a rival of Memphis, but I kind of I like watching them play and root for them because they are a solid program. They just kind of got the shitty end of the stick by staying in Conference USA when everybody, everyone else moved to American. But um, Southern Miss is a good program, kind of like UAB. UAB is uh, still a pretty good program, even though – um, they didn't have a football team like three or four years ago. So I kind of like Southern Miss. Oh, Alex, can I ask you a question real quick? You said something about getting the shit into the stick. I was just curious, like what kind of sticks are you picking up that have shit on one end of them? I don't know, man. It, it's just sometimes it's tough out here. You pick up shit in the sticks. I I don't know if you, if you haven't ever done that, then consider yourself lucky. I mean, I was just curious because you, you said like the shit end of the stick. So I was just thinking like, is there – is it just, like, a common thing that you just, like, pick up a stick and it's, like, 50-50 on whether or not you grab the end that has shit on it or not? That reminds me of when uh, Happy Gilmore asked Shooter McGavin if he eats pieces of shit for breakfast. I feel exactly the same as him right now. Yeah, well, that actually is a really good movie. Yeah. But, uh... Football, Holt. Yeah. Football. Low. So, a couple things, Holt. Um, we're going to we're gonna back... We're going to uh, kind of move around all these SEC games and touch on some national games. And then uh, just talk about what's going on around the SEC and uh, end, it, end it with picks. Um, not the spread, but the actual game winners. We'll pretend like we're college game day here. And we might do uh, – we might pick the spread on Twitter after this, but we'll just do the uh, winners and losers for these games. Um, but, hold, we'll stick with uh, Southern Miss Mississippi State just for a second because I have a few more questions about that. I guess we'll kind of get it out of the way. Um does Southern Miss consider Mississippi State or Ole Miss a rival? 
You know, I've always kind of wondered that. Um, the Southern Miss people that I know personally uh, tend to dislike Ole Miss more than Mississippi State. Um, I don't know if that's true for all of them. I know that uh, Southern Miss and Ole Miss haven't really uh, played a lot um, recently. Uh, Mississippi State and Southern Miss have played a lot in football, baseball, and basketball in the last few years. So uh, maybe they consider Mississippi State more of just because they see them more often. Um, but at least – like the Southern Miss fans that I know personally tend to uh, dislike Ole Miss more, but they may just be saying that because they know I'm a state fan. And then behind my back, they're like, yeah, I actually hate Mississippi State the most. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Ole Miss is a little bit easier to hate, not because uh, I'm a Memphis fan, I don't like them, but I think out of all the schools in Mississippi, I think they're the cockiest or most arrogant, um, thinking like they're a step above all the other schools in the state. But maybe that's yeah. Just me. yeah, I feel like that too. JB, can I get an opinion on this? Uh, non, um, non-invested party, a innocent, uh, innocent bystanders view. I mean, sure. I, I would definitely uh, probably label uh, Ole Miss as more the um, what they would call themselves the Ivy League school of the South, and the Mississippi State mm-hmm. is more the uh, casual school that uh, more welcoming atmosphere, if you will. Do you remember like when we were in elementary school? There was like uh, that was that thing going on where. Ole Miss had, like, all those shirts that said the Harvard of the South or whatever, yeah. and people used to wear those shirts. Yeah. I wonder if, like, Harvard, people at Harvard wear, like, shirts that say Ole Miss at the Northeast. Do you think they do that? Probably not. They might. I've, I've never I've never been around people from Harvard, unfortunately. I've just heard of them. I, I heard they exist. I heard they exist is all I've got. Um, JB, have you heard that there is a big truck going around Atlanta playing the Georgia State game on repeat? I have. And I cannot blame that truck for doing it. They deserve it. <laughs> Did you also hear the Georgia State player, I think it was a quarterback, say that Furman's going to be like a harder test this week than Tennessee last week? I did. And, I mean, obviously that Georgia State player is probably, you know, full of it. But they got all the room to uh, trash talk because they went to Knoxville and won that game convincingly. So, I mean, I feel like they have all the room to trash talk. And, Alex, did you hear that uh, Georgia State's coach said that that's not even the biggest win in program history? It's actually a win they had over Western Kentucky. <laughs> I did not. Oh, is there anybody that sweats more than the Georgia State coach? I don't think so. Um, honestly, like, I think I sweat a lot. And uh, even he makes me feel like I don't sweat that much, honestly. He was he was pretty drenched. You know what's crazy is that, like, when they – after the game, they dumped, like, two buckets of water on him. And I'm pretty sure he was more dry at that point than he was, like, halfway through the third quarter. He can't can't tell the difference and I wonder I, I wasn't on Twitter as much during the game I wish I was but I'm sure that had to be going around on Twitter about talking about how sweaty he was and maybe that was a missed opportunity by us not to capitalize on his his uh sweating disease no I mean uh, I was on Twitter a good bit I did see some people comment but it, it wasn't as big as you might think it might have been uh, sounds like a missed opportunity um biggest game this week is obviously Arkansas will miss right JB Absolutely. I mean, I think that's the game of the week in the SEC. Uh, the battle of the uh, two worst teams in the West. But, hey, I mean, they're both probably more evenly matched than any other opponents that we have in the, on the schedule coming up this week in the SEC. It is a game that we're going to pick at the end of the show here. But the spread, which I'm sure Holt knows a little bit more because he's a betting man out of, out of all of us, I think was like six or seven Ole Miss, six and a half <laughs> Ole Miss in this game. Does that seem a little high for you, Holt? It does. Um, I mean, it really says a lot about where Arkansas is at, honestly. Um, 
You know what I mean? Obviously, it is a road game, but usually the home field advantage is only points in the This is basically saying that even on a neutral site that Ole Miss would have been favored, um, which is kind of surprising to me. Um, you know, I, I guess it's just because Ole Miss has a little bit more – I mean, I don't even know. Like, is there, they have more proven coordinators. Maybe they a little bit higher in the recruiting rankings. I mean, that's really the only thing that I can figure um, because, you know, Ole Miss – looked about as bad as you could possibly look last week. And, you know, Arkansas, although they didn't look much better, they were at least game. Um, so, Had- I mean, I like being at home, obviously, is, is worth a little bit. But, I mean, I really don't know. Have you stepped up your prediction when Rich Rodriguez is going to take over as the interim coach? Well, I don't know. The way the – defense played last week I think it might be McIntyre yeah I was thinking the same thing uh right before I asked that but I mean before last week you would say I would say Rich Rodriguez is the more experienced and I guess more proven coach but it's not um that's a that's a tough tough question to ask between the three of them like who you'd really want running the program I guess the easy easy question is you would you'd want Matt Luke gone right I mean yeah I just think it's just, I mean, he's not the guy. He's never going to be the guy. Um, you know, I'm not saying he won't, like, win any games this year or anything like that, but I just – I think it's pretty obvious that he's he's just not the guy at Ole Miss, and uh, they're going to be moving on from him uh, most likely this year. JB, do you understand why Matt Luke was hired at Ole Miss despite everyone saying that? Like, I think there's a lot of people who thought Matt Luke – thought going into it that Matt Luke wasn't going to be there long term. Do you understand why Ole Miss hired them, or do you think they really thought that he was going to be the guy to right the ship here? And if he wasn't, two-part question, your favorite types of questions. Um, if he's not that guy and they, they hired him anyway, at what point does Ross Bjork, whatever his name is, uh, come accountable for them, uh, all the hires? I don't think that Ross Bjork is going to be coming accountable of anything other than the uh, Texas A&M athletic Ooh. department, which you Ooh. know, but... he did right. Yes, he did. <laughs> you should just see me palming my face right now, Alex. <laughs> I can't. Hold on. No, I can't see you. Sorry, I tried. I tried. Yeah. Yeah, like. Come on, as a uh, big-time believer, you should know that Ross Bjork is no longer in Oxford. But as you were asking about the question about Matt Luke is concerned, uh, I don't even think he was the front runner to get the job. But I think Ross Bjork, what he was looking at mainly is that, one, he would have had some continuity from the Hugh Freeze regime. Two, he was an Ole Miss guy. And three, winning that game at Mississippi State and Starkville, I think, was the final straw for Matt Luke to win that job. And uh, that's what ultimately I think those three factors is what got Matt Luke the job at Ole Miss. And he's, he's there to stay being until they lose like three or four more games in a row. Um, this, this one would be tough if he, if he loses to Arkansas this week, it's gonna be tough to recover from this even for the rest of the season. Uh, move on to some of the big games real quick before <laughs> Holt goes crazy on me. LSU, Texas, Holt, who is the real DBU? Uh, Dallas Baptist University. Have you ever gotten tired of telling that joke? Nope. <laughs> I, I am very proud of you replying to the 
which I guess the girl, I don't know how that, like, it's just kind of hard to explain how some tweets go viral and how some don't. But that one went viral where the girl took the picture or copied a picture of the Texas players wearing the real DBU, uh, real DBU shirt. And um, it's a lot of, a lot of trash talk going on about the real DBU, but yeah, I don't know why, like, that's such a big thing. Um, I know LSU fans get, like, all upset when people, like, bring it up. You know, I mean, look, they've had some awesome defensive backs over the year. I think over the years, if I was put in a position where, like, I had to say who I thought, like, had the best DB legacy, I think it would be LSU. Um, but, I mean, let's be real. Like, Florida's had some awesome DBs, Ohio State, um, Alabama, Texas, you know, USC. I mean, all all, this, all these schools have had, like, great defensive backs. And, um, you know what, it's really, like, not that big of a deal. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, until your offense starts scoring some points, it doesn't really even matter how good your DBs are. And when you say USC, I'm assuming you mean Southern Cal. But and if you saw in that, like, that little thread or all those replies to that, that girl's tweet, somebody had, like, a little, like, ranking system. And South Carolina was, like, up in the top, like, six or seven or something like that. It kind of blew my mind that they were even that high. Yeah. I remember, like, Stephon Gilmore. I don't remember a whole lot of other guys in South Carolina. JB, are you more excited about this LSU-Texas game or the Texas A&M-Clemson game? I'm actually more excited about Texas A&M-Clemson. I uh, think that A&M has a really good shot of going into uh, Clemson and uh, really taking this fight to the Clemson Tigers, you know, throughout the entire game. Uh, but last I saw, uh, Clemson's a 16-and-a-half point favorite. 17-and-a-half now. I bet I would do what? 17-and-a-half now, according to ESPN. 17-and-a-half, okay. Well, you know what? I would I would def- very happily bet that Texas A&M would cover that 17-and-a-half. I do not think Clemson's going to handle A&M like some of the people in Vegas are expecting. Holt, you're, you're a betting man, like I said earlier. Whenever you have like a strong gut feeling about bets, do you have to like think twice about it just because it's like you think Vegas knows something that you don't? Yeah, that's that's how I feel about this game. I, you know, this was a close game last year. Texas A&M really easily could have won it. Um, you know, Clemson lost a lot on defense last year. Uh, they really did, um, which, I mean, really makes me think that, you know, I feel good about Texas A&M covering that spread. But just that number is so big that it really does kind of scare me a little bit. Um, you know, I definitely – I think about Trevor Lawrence and those receivers against that A&M secondary, which is a big question mark going in. And, and it's just – if they're able to hit some big plays early in the game, I could see Texas A&M's offense sputtering a little bit. And um, I could see Clemson kind of running away with it. But, you know, I mean, truthfully, like if I had to pick, my gut tells me that I'd really like A&M to, uh, to cover that spread and keep it close. Not necessarily win. We'll get to the picks later, but you're not necessarily saying they're win. You just think they'll lose by less than 17 points. Yeah. If, if I, if I, I'm not going to bet on this game, but if I had to, I would go Texas A&M as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hold. Do you believe in the sophomore slump of Trevor Lawrence? It's only been one game, but he did throw two interceptions against Georgia Tech, who should be like a recovering team, a rebuilding team, not necessarily a team that's built and ready to go. Well, I mean, I always think there's a little bit of like dealing with that offseason of hype and everyone telling you how awesome you are and, you know, coming off the national championship and all that stuff. I think there is a little bit to that, um, you know, and also at the same time, everyone's looking to tear you down when you're, you know, when you get to the top of the mountain or whatever, everybody's looking to tear you down. So, of that and 
you know, obviously all these teams have a year of tape on them now and they had all off season to prepare for them and, you know, kind of got used to, um, or at least were able to see like maybe what his tendencies were, and, you know, what he was most comfortable doing and things like that. And they try to take those things away. So, you know, I mean, I feel like you put all those things together and I feel like, you know, maybe he won't be like believable this year, but I mean, I'll still think he's the best quarterback in the country, to be honest. And I expect him to come back and have a huge year. JB, where does Kellen Mond rank in the SEC among quarterbacks? Does he have to be in like the top five after Tua from, and who else would there be? You might put Burrow in there now. Burrow's doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, I would put uh, Calamon definitely in my top five in quarterbacks. I mean, you have to put you have to put Frump and Tua in the top five. Uh, but after that, uh, it's really just a race between a bunch of other guys. But, I mean, Kelly Bryant could definitely fit the billing for a top five quarterback in the conference. But Kellen Mond is one of the most impressive ones to me. And uh, under the tutelage of uh, Jimbo Fisher, Kellen Mond, I think by this time next year, will be probably the number one quarterback in the conference. I'm going to go ahead and just say that right now. He is – I mean, he, he has pretty good throws. But, like, I, I mean, just me personally, what I like watching about him is his ability to scramble and run the ball. I don't know – I know you are, you favor more pocket passers, JB. But um, do you think that's another element that separates him from other quarterbacks in this conference that Tua doesn't really show off or Jake Fromm doesn't really show off? It, he does, but but I mean, Kellen Mond has shown he's fully capable of throwing in the pocket. He doesn't have to make plays with his legs or out of the pocket. But I mean, yeah, as far as throwing on the throwing on the run, I mean, his accuracy throwing down the field on the run is absolutely incredible. He made one. He made one pass against Texas State going for a touchdown that was right on the money, right over another defender's head, and. I mean, with on his back leg, too. That was one of the more impressive throws I've seen out of him. I don't know if you saw it today, but um, I guess you would have had to listen to it. But Feinbaum had, on a show today, he was talking about it, and I guess somebody tweeted it from his account. Because I, I doubt Feinbaum's on Twitter actively tweeting. I mean, he could be. I, he, I, might, I don't want to underrate him so much, but I don't think he's actively tweeting as much as somebody managing his profile. But they were. He was saying his his claim for the day was that Jimbo Fisher is a better coach than Dabo Sweeney. Do you subscribe to that, JB? I would not, because Dabo has more titles than Jimbo Fisher. And I mean, we have to look at the uh, consistency that Dabo has at Clemson. Uh, Jimbo Fisher didn't have that much consistency at Florida State. He had a couple of good years with Jameis Winston. But after that, I mean, the program kind of just fell off a little bit. And then, of course, it came crashing down in 17 when he completely checked out and was already looking at, you know, leaving. I don't think anybody's picking A&M to win a national title this year, JB. But if A&M hypothetically won a title this year, would that put him up there with Dabo Sweeney or above Dabo Sweeney? It put him, it put him close, but I would not even put him past Dabo with the title. Although I do, I mean, obviously we already talked about it in the preview for A&M a few weeks ago, but next year A&M could be really stacked if they have a lot of these key components on this team come back. I think it's the class of 2020 or 2021, one of them, where they're, they have like, I think already five, five stars uh, committed or something like that. They're, they're like out recruiting Alabama, like crazy, crazy uh, good recruits right now. So it'd be fun to, fun to watch them when they come to Clemson. Uh, Holt, is this the week that Keyshawn Bond returns to being your favorite player in the SEC? Yeah, I do think so. Um, I think that Purdue 
Um, not necessarily known for their defense. And um, I think, you know, they, they struggled to get them going last week. And I think coming out this week, especially with the quarterback struggles, that um, they're really going to look to get Keyshawn Bond involved in this game. And um, I expect him to have a big game against that Purdue defense. Do you think that this game is at Purdue? Oh, I think this is one when we did the Vanderbilt preview. This was a tough one to pick, which I feel like we did say that quite a bit. This is a tough game to pick, but it holds true for this one. <laughs> Vanderbilt, although they did lose by a lot to Georgia, they didn't look horrible to me, and I think that's what we all said. But Purdue lost to Nevada on a last-second field goal. Do you expect Purdue to come out firing against Vanderbilt just because this is a team they look at as they should beat easily? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, last week they kind of got that lead and got a little, you know, lackadaisical. Um, I think this week, playing, you know, obviously playing an SEC team, although, you know, maybe not like one of the Blue Bloods in SEC, you know, so I think they get excited to play an SEC team. Um, you know, I think that, you know, obviously I'm a huge fan of Jeff Brown, the coach at Purdue. I think he's one of the more underrated coaches in the country. Um, but I just – I mean, I just really feel like they're going to come out um, excited to play. And, um, you know, Rondell Moore, the receiver, is one of the more electric players in the country. Um, it's definitely going to be fun to watch him in this one. Um, I just think it's going to come down to is Purdue able to um, slow down Vanderbilt's running game and kind of, um, you know, limit Keyshawn Vaughn and get the ball back to their offense. Because if Vanderbilt's able to run the ball and play keep away, then, um, you know, I think they have a better chance of controlling the game and controlling the tempo. So, and then, obviously, you know, as we were talking about on the post game last week, Vanderbilt's defense played really well against Georgia, especially on third down. And, um, you know, Jake Fromm in the passing game. And, um, you know, obviously, Purdue does not have the offensive line or the running backs of Georgia. So um, it'll be interesting to see if that uh, secondary for Vanderbilt is able to keep it up for another week. Yeah. You kind of said what I was hoping you would talk about is the Vanderbilt defense, who I think we all think it's pretty good or at least underrated versus the high-powered Purdue offense. I'm not saying they're extremely high-powered, but, I mean, they did play Nevada. But the quarterback had 423 yards last week against Nevada and four touchdowns, um, which is Nevada, but that's still pretty impressive. So that will be something something to watch uh, for this this game. This is an early game, not our favorite, but it's not a, not a bad game to watch at – 11 a.m. It is on the Big Ten Network. I'm not sure if you all have that there, um, but you should watch it either way. We do have it, so that will be on one of our three TVs in our little football kingdom that we have. ABC and Big Ten Network. What else could you ask for? Um, Underrated game of the week is what, JB? The underrated game of the week, uh, I mean, I feel like we've already talked about it. I was going to say Arkansas Miss, but, uh, you know, I'll go with a different one. I'm going to go with uh, West Virginia, Missouri. Uh, Missouri is coming off a uh, upsetting game last week out on the road at Wyoming. And, you know, West Virginia had a uh, kind of a battle with James Madison, one of the FCS powers, but came away with a victory. I like this uh, game to see uh, how Missouri responds. And with them being home, like it's, you know, with the soft schedule they have coming up and, you know, Barry Odom potentially uh, being on the hot seat of it, you know, if he doesn't get, you know, this, you know, together anytime soon. So I like to see how Missouri responds. One of the games really radar for me and could be some points scored. This is another 11 a.m. kickoff. It's on ESPN to hold. Would this make the big screen? 
Um, I don't know. That's going to be tough. Um, it's a tough time slot. Um, you know, I think we might flip around to it, but and check on it if it's a close game, but I don't think so. Um, Missouri's like a 14 point favorite. Um, you know, obviously sucks that they lost last week to Wyoming, but I don't think West Virginia's going to be able to run the ball like Wyoming did. Um, you know, West Virginia kind of messed around with James Madison last week. Um, I think Missouri's going to bounce back this week and get a pretty easy win and go over West Virginia. I don't think there's really much need to watch this game. No, but is is this something we're going to be talking about where Kelly Bryant puts up monster numbers but doesn't necessarily win the East or do anything big with wins besides, like, their easy schedule? And um, they obviously can't go to a bowl game. So, should we just continue to see – continue to expect to see Kelly Bryant put a big numbers hole? Yeah, I do. I think uh, Kelly Bryant's going to have a big game. What I really expect from this game is for Larry Roundtree to bounce back. You know what I mean? Didn't have a huge game against uh, Wyoming last week. Partially that's because they were behind in the second half and they had to throw the ball a little bit more. But I really expect that running game to bounce back this week and um, for them to have a huge game on the ground uh, against West Virginia – who's, you know, obviously not much known for their defense. Um, but, you know, honestly, like, a game that I think is a little bit underrated that we might, you know, kind of uh, be surprised to find ourselves watching. I hope you're going to say um, Later in the day is going to be uh, when uh, – um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, <laughs> JB, will you shut up? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, JB's broken. Uh-oh. I was I was trying to think of like a funny word to describe Bo Nix, but I could, I was gonna say it's Bo time, but then like once I started the sentence that way, I couldn't go that way, and then I was about to say Bo Jesus, and then like I didn't know if that was gonna work either, so I kind of stalled there. But basically, what I'm saying is I wouldn't be surprised at all if Tulane's able to keep it a little bit close with Auburn. Um, you know, Bo Nix didn't really look great last week. I think the offense still has some kinks to work out, and um, you know I'm a really big fan of Willie Fritz at Tulane. I think he's a really good coach. I'm. Uh, I actually kind of enjoy watching his his offense. Um, so I'm I'm you know Tulane won last week pretty easily over uh, FIU I believe so uh, pretty good win for them. You know I'm just I'm just I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously Auburn coming off a big win. You know it's the first home game. They're maybe relaxing a little bit after last week. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is a pretty close game and. Uh, we find ourselves in the third and fourth quarter flipping over here to uh, see what's going on. I'm glad you said that hold because I was going to stick up for my AAC teams if you didn't there. Um, Tulane is coming off, I think, a seven-win year last year, uh, which isn't a lot of wins for the American, but it's, it's good for them. And they're, uh, they're only up and up with Louis Fritz. Um, so this could be a game that Auburn overlooks um, against Tulane and could be a little bit closer than – the expert says, uh, Lee Corso said once upon a time, the over under here hold is 51 and a half points. So I guess that's a, I don't know what the average scoring game in college is. I feel like it's around 20, 25 points. So that might be average. You expect this to see this to be a high scoring game? Uh, no, not really. Um, I expect Tulane to uh, pick up some first downs in this one and maybe control the clock a little bit. And I expect Auburn's, uh, you know, I feel like they're going to try to get Bo Nix doing some different things um since they're playing their opponent they may try out some new things and i think they may struggle to move the ball a little bit on offense and um i like this to be more of a low scoring game and uh Tulane to kind of control the clock a little bit 
JB, we talked earlier, I think, at the week one precap show about Jake Bentley going out for extended period, if not for the year. And they have this freshman quarterback, Ryan Holinsky, I think is the name, coming in. Um, and this, to me, this is like a perfect scenario for him to come in and start and get get his rust out as a freshman quarterback against Charleston Southern. Charleston Southern. This is a game you're supposed to win, and you kind of just get you know ease him on into the to the game. I guess. Do you see something similar? Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't ask for a better opponent for uh, you know Ryan Holinsky to uh, be introduced to. Um, you know, this is going to be a you know, really not as talented team, you know, as compared to last week when they played North Carolina. And with Jake Bentley being out for six weeks, I mean, I think this game, uh, Muschamp needs to uh, let Ryan Helensky grow and uh, try a lot of different things with him because uh, he's going to be your quarterback for the most of the year. And honestly, I think honestly, I think Jake Bentley's already taken his last snap as quarterback in South Carolina. I think Helensky is going to really show out. Uh, he's a big-time phenom. Uh, Muschamp was very lucky to get him. And I think he's going to be the starter for the rest of the season. So, yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be – I think he's going to have a pretty good uh, solid outing in his first game against a lesser opponent to be able to give him a really good confidence boost going into a conference play coming up. We don't know anything about Ryan Holinsky other than he was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. But do you think – this might sound a little crazy, JB, but do you think there's a chance Ryan Holinsky could be better than Jake Bentley? You know, if you if you remember – I don't have Jake Bentley's – actually, I do have Jake Bentley's stats in front of me. You remember when Jake Bentley came out as a freshman? He had a really good freshman season. And I don't know if he's really had a – maybe last year his, was his best year, but his freshman season was really good. And he hasn't really progressed like we wanted him to. Uh, so do you think there's a chance that Ryan Holinsky could actually be better than Jake Bentley? Yeah, I mean, I think he has all the tools to be better. Uh, I'm talking ben, about this year. Yeah. If you remember Bentley, uh, he didn't even start until midway to the 2016 season. Uh, his first start was actually, ironically, against Tennessee in late October, right before Halloween. Muschamp uh, decided to uh, burn his red shirts. And, you know, he, he was a stud that year. I mean, he, he came in and that, you know, upset Tennessee and then led them to a bowl game. And, you know, he was looking like as, you know, the righteous son for that program. But, uh, like you said, he has regressed every single season since then. I don't know what I would attribute it to, but – it is kind of disappointing. I think that's why I think Jake Bentley does need to change his scenery. So, if I were Jake Bentley, I would just rehab the injury, and uh, you know, come back. Ne- just try to not play more than four games, and then be be able to grad transfer somewhere next year, someplace where he could play and uh, put up some numbers and maybe have a shot at the NFL. I thought you were suggesting that he was going to go to the NFL after this year just to protect himself, um, but I don't know where he would even be in the no. draft if he would get no. drafted. No, I mean he's not an NFL prospect right now, but you know I think I think his best option would be to not yeah. rush, don't even try to you know play this year, and so then he'll have more options you know in the off season. I hope he goes to Oklahoma if, he, if we're talking about grad transfer. I'd love to love to see him with Lincoln Riley's offense because I just feel like he uh, he's got the magic magic touch on all the quarterbacks. Yeah, seems that way. Yeah. So you're you're saying that there's a chance that Ryan Holinsky could be better than Jake Bentley just this year. I'm not talking about over his career, but just this year you think there's a chance. I do. I, do. I mean, like like I said, like I think Jake Bentley's already taken his last snaps as a starting quarterback for South Carolina. I don't know if Holden be, but that's my take. And Jake Bentley's dad's still coaching for South Carolina, right? He is. Yeah, he's an assistant you, coach. You think, you think there's a chance that he would 
grad transfer somewhere else, even with his dad as the coach? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, his dad would, would support his decision no matter what. Interesting, interesting. Hold, if you're a South Carolina fan here, how many points do you have to beat Charleston Southern to feel a little bit better about last week? To feel better about last week? Probably yeah. like a um, yeah. I don't think I don't think it's really going to happen, um, no matter what happens this week. Uh, I mean, you definitely just want to see um, Holinsky come out and throw the ball well and really take command of the offense. Um, I think that's really what you're looking for more than, like, how many points you win by. Um, but, you know, it definitely would be good for them to put up some points and, uh, you know, just have, like, a big blowout win and just, you know, beat the crap out of somebody and just make themselves feel a little bit better. But, um, you know, I think the main thing you want to see is for Holinsky to come out and have good command of the offense and throw the ball around. And, you know, mostly just, like, uh, if I like completion percentage from Holinsky, you know, just complete a lot of his passes and just, you know, as I said, just have good command of the offense and um, all of those things uh, going forward. Yeah. Well, do you think Tua will play in the third quarter or the second half of the New Mexico State big game this week? Uh, no, I don't think he's going to take one snap in the second half. Of course, it's going to be like 52 to nothing at halftime probably. What? I don't know if you've seen the line, but what would you guess the line is for Alabama and New Mexico State? Uh, I have seen the line, and it's over 50 points. I believe it's like 55 and a half or something. That is that correct. That is correct, yep. <laughs> Hold on, I'd love to ask you this question. Would you take Alabama to cover the spread here? If there's ever a time where I'm not taking Alabama to cover a spread, it would be in a game like this. Um, I saw a stat the other day that Alabama's like um, – or more that they're 0-4 against the spread. So um, – this strikes me as the kind of game where Alabama's going to score a couple touchdowns early and then, like, the whole second half they're going to, like, run the ball, like, straight at the middle and for, like, two yards so that Saban can complain about how they didn't score any points in the second half and, you know, <laughs> they end up winning, like, 51 to 10 or something like that. Or, like, maybe, like, I'll say, like, 58 to 10. And then, you know, Saban can complain about how they didn't play well in the second half and let up and didn't finish and all that stuff. I really want to see Najee Harris break out in this game. Uh, he had, like, I think 50 or 55 yards, something like that, in the game against Duke. Uh, but I really just want him to prove me right. I picked him last year to be, like, the breakout player of the year. And I think I – I don't know if I, for sure if I picked him, but in my mind I picked him again to be the breakout player of the year. And I just don't know if he'll get a chance because they used a lot of running backs in Alabama now. So I don't think they ever really just give it to one running back and let him go for 200 yards like that anymore. Yeah, well, I mean, they've had so many suspensions and injuries at running back that I don't really know if they're going to have a choice but to feed Najee Harris this year. Um, I mean, they got a few other guys, obviously, but, you know, I think Najee Harris is going to be the guy. I think he's going to have a big year. Um, you know, I think, you know, it doesn't really – they can pretty much do whatever they want on offense. Um, for a lot of the games this year, they're not going to face too many teams that can, um, you know, take them out of their comfort zone. But um, I definitely expect a big year from uh, Najee. JB, I feel like out of all of us, you're you're the uh, meteorologist among us. You're the one who I think checks the weather every day, correct, JB? Sure. I mean, I guess you can say that. Not not to say it like in a nerdy way or that's bad. I'm just saying it's kind of like factual. That's what you do every day, right? You wake up. It so. is. Uh, I mean, while we're on the topic of this game, on our accounts about what the uh, game time temperature and the high in Tuscaloosa is going to be this Saturday. You want to take a guess what it well, is? Well, that's exactly where I'm going with this, JB. So you're about to answer my question. 
Okay. So we'll, I, we'll turn that around. But hold, hold. Do you know what the game high temperature is for this game in Tuscaloosa? Um, I'm going to guess that it is um, 101 degrees. Close. 97 degrees is what I have. And that's, that's my next question, JB. I don't know what your because uh, I feel like you're picky about what your weather source is. So I'm looking at AccuWeather, which is the ESPN-provided weather um, information. But I feel like you have a very specific source you look at. I do. I use the uh, National Weather Service for all my uh, weather sources when it's nothing in Memphis, you know, where I live. But, yeah, 97 degrees. And with that game being during peak temperatures at three, starting at, I think, 3 o'clock in the afternoon – I guarantee you that those stands are going to be empty by uh, halftime. Nobody's going to be there because the score's probably going to be, you know, 42 nothing at half. And then we're going to have the press conference at the end of the game, after the game, where Saban complains about the fans not being there, you know, all four quarters and the student section leaving early. And then we'll be right back to him motivating. He's so predictable. Like, yeah. I mean, it's really like the same rants every single year. You know, and then, like, later in the season they're going to play, like, you know, whenever they play, like, the FCS team or whatever – Someone's going to ask a question about, like, getting back in, and then he's going to go off on him saying, like, you know, well, you think we're going to be able to play backups this week just because we're playing an SCS team? What makes you think we're going to play backups? Like, <laughs> you know, we got to go out there and, like, get a lead before, like, we do anything, like, blah, 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 and all that stuff. Well, the temperature is 97 degrees, but the real field heat index is probably hotter. And on top of that, it's even hotter on the field. So I'd imagine, like, the real temperature and heat index on the field is probably, like, in the – you know, low to mid. This is probably be on field temperature, probably including the heat index and on the field is probably going to be close to 120. It's going to be brutal on the field. 120. Yeah, because Hell the heat. No. Well, you know, on the field, I'd say probably closer to 115. But I wouldn't Hell surprise. No. Probably that. I would say 110 at most. I wouldn't say 115. JB, you die at 120. 110 and 115. I'm not talking about the on field temperature. I'm talking about including the heat index. Yeah, that still seems kind of hot to me, but I don't know. You're you're the you're the weatherman among us, so I shouldn't. Question. Yeah, between one ten and one fifteen, I don't think it's far fetched. It's actually going to be hot all at all of these games this weekend. It's just a hot weekend here in the South. Um, Georgia's game time temperature is supposed to be ninety six degrees. Starkville's game time temperature hold is going to be ninety five degrees, which I don't think you're going to that game, right? Because you talked about the big screen TV and all that stuff. Nope, I will not be heading down to Starkville until week four when they face the Kentucky Wildcats. Still season ticket holder, though, right? That's correct. But you know what? Part of the good thing about having season tickets is I can go to whatever game I want to. True that. Are you? Do you sell your get tickets that you don't go to? Um. Well, the only tickets that I have that are worth anything are not games that games that I would go to. So no. Speaking of ticket prices, um, the Alabama game that we talked about is going to be so fun to be at, and nobody's going to go to. You can buy tickets as low as four dollars for that. The Highest ticket, which I think we all know. Oh, I think we know, but um, I guess it could be a toss-up between A&M, Clemson, and LSU in Texas. Which one do you think it is, JB? It's obviously LSU, Texas, and Wrong. I, I, I can tell you the Wrong. LSU, and I can tell you the LSU, Texas game. I'm going to go ahead and a- ask you, Alex. Is the uh, get-in price currently over 300 just to get into that game? Mm-hmm. I looked at it earlier on StubHub. Um, ESPN is wrong right now because it says tickets as low as ten dollars so something's wrong about that but um no way. Had a, yeah no, no way. I, don't I don't believe that either whenever i looked on StubHub earlier be like only earlier today um it was like around four or four twenty something like that just to get in like that's including fees 
I mean, it could be. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure this this tickets for the LSU Texas game is one of the most expensive games that they've ever had in in Austin. Road GA and the Champions Club is going for ten dollars right now. Well, see, I'm looking at StubHub, and the uh, cheapest price on StubHub, Alex, is three hundred and seventy five just to get into the game. But that's before fees. If you include include the fees, it's four twenty. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I mean, you're gonna be dropping uh, over four hundred. Yeah, over four hundred dollars just to get into the game. Yeah, so it looks as though Champions Club is what it says. Separate ticket required for use. <laughs> so I don't even know like why that would be like listed. They're getting you. They're getting you somehow. Um, we we talked about how hot it's going to be in Alabama, JB. The temperature, game time temperature for this Texas game is actually going to be one o two. Not surprising, but good thing it's at night. Yeah, it is uh, 6.30 Central Time. But, you know, the, I don't know for sure. Like, because it's, it's 102 there, Holt. But what do you think the heat index? Like, would you rather be in Tuscaloosa, Alabama at 96 or 97 degrees or Austin, Texas at 102 degrees? I don't know. All I know is that this is going to be a really good game, and I can't wait to talk about it. All right. Holt, do you think we can see week two of Joe Burrow being the superstar of the SEC? <laughs> All right, sorry to give you a hard time, Alex. But, yes, uh, I'm excited. Um, I do think Joe Burrow can show out this week. Um, you know, I don't think – you know, I really like uh, Texas's defensive coordinator. Uh, I think he's a really good coach, and I think he's going to have a good game plan. And, you know, Tom Herman always does well in big games. Um, and as far as the LSU offense goes, I'm kind of in believe it when I see it mode. I'm just going to kind of assume that they're the same old conservative LSU offense until I'm proven otherwise in the big game. Um but I, I think I still think Joe Burrow can have a good game. Um, you know, obviously those LSU receivers are really talented. They got some really good running backs. They got a pretty good offensive line. So, you know, I expect them to move the ball. Um, I don't expect them to put up 50 points or anything like that. But I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, LSU came out and uh, had a, at least a good game offensively. I don't think he's going to come out and throw for five touchdowns and like two incompletions or whatever crazy stat he had last week. But um, you know, I definitely expect this LSU team to to come out and, and play well. Are you excited for the Texas's back tweets after they beat LSU? I feel like those Texas back tweets like are just like part of college football now. Yeah, um, some Texas wins a game or wins like three games in a row against bad teams. Like it just doesn't really matter; they're always back. But I, you know what I say? Like when people ask me if Texas is back, I say no because Texas isn't back until people don't have to ask that anymore. <laughs> I did like my favorite are the sarcastic ones. Like after they lost to Maryland in the season opener last year. And everybody's tweeting out, tweeting out Texas back. That was pretty funny. Yeah, well, this this always happens with, like, those blue blood type programs. You know what I mean? Like, it just seems like the media wants them to be back, like, so bad. Like, you look at schools like Miami and, um, you know, Texas. And, like, uh, I remember, like, Alabama back, you know, before Nick Saban got there. Um, you know, it's just it just always seems like those blue blood programs. Like, people are always trying to say, like, you know, oh, this, you know, they're finally back to, you know, what they used to be and whatever. Um, you know, it's just kind of like one of those media things or they just like to hype up the big schools because they get a lot of hype and stuff like that. So, you know, people are really opinionated on them because they remember how good they used to be and stuff like that. So, I just feel like all that stuff is just a little – well, it's just noise. At the end I, think, I think it was um... – I forgot who it was. I want to say it was either Tom Herman or Urban Meyer. I know this is two completely different people, but one of them said that Ellinger reminds him of Tim Tebow, and they were saying like it's not 
he's not better than Tim Tebow, but like he um, just reminds him of Tim, Tim Tebow. Um, but do you think this is the matchup I'm interested to see hold is Ellinger versus the LSU defense? Cause we talked up about how the LSU defense might be the best in the country. Um, but Ellinger eh, is a decent quarterback. I don't know if he's a great quarterback, but he might be good, a really good quarterback. So this is what I'm excited to see. You want to talk about that for a second, Holt? Sure. Yeah. Um, I do love how like you just never break character with uh, pronouncing quarterbacks' names. Like you just like refuse to pronounce any quarterback's name correctly. Well, I'm, it's like uh, what's his name? Uh, <coughs> Mac Brown with Fuente. Fuente. <laughs> Fuente. But uh, yeah, it's um, you know he's a really good quarterback. Um, I think he's gotten a lot of hype this year. He's got pretty decent odds to win the Heisman at least preseason. He did. Uh, I assume that hasn't changed much in one week. But yeah, you know he's a pretty exciting player um a, a pretty good runner you know he lost his best receiver from last year uh you know like little jordan or little john <laughs> what are you talking about little, little john and the east side boys um <laughs> they had playing receiver for him last year i think his name was uh was it god what was his name it was little something little jordan humphreys maybe yeah that's it yeah so his first name was little jordan <laughs> I thought, I thought JB was just saying, like, that's it to whatever you said. Yeah. No, I'm pretty sure that was it. But anyway, he was their best receiver last year. Um, you know, really made a lot of plays for him. But uh, he's he's gone this year. And, um, you know, but one thing, the you know, while we're on that, that matchup of the Texas offense versus LSU defense that really stood out to me is, like, I really love it when LSU plays Big 12 teams. It doesn't happen, like, too often. But what I love about these matchups is that, um, these Big 12 teams, you know, are not used to teams being as deep in the secondary as someone like LSU is, and they're not used to defenses being as fast as LSU's defense is because most of the time when they come into these games, they know that their third, fourth, and fifth receiver is going to be better than the fourth, you know, third, fourth, and fifth DB on the other team, but that's not the case against LSU. Against LSU, they're able to go man-to-man all the way across and their fourth and fifth DB is, is just as good, if not better, than your fourth and fifth receiver. And, um, you know, you come out in those spread formations, you think that you're going to have matchups um, in your favor. But, you know, LSU is able to take those away, and they play really fast, and they play with a lot of fast guys on the field. And, um, you know, Dave Rand is one of the best defense coordinators in the country. So I think this is going to be the best defense that Texas has faced. I think this is going to be the best defense that Sam Ellinger has faced um, in his career. And um, I think they're really going to be able to slow down that um, that Texas offense with uh, a lot of new faces on it, especially at the skill positions. And, um, you know, I just – I don't think there's going to be a lot of open receivers for Ellinger to, to throw to in this one. So, the the G is Gurr, not Jer. I got it yeah. now. And uh, can't can't forget about our boy uh, Clavon Chase on getting, uh, getting after him too. He's going to be all up in uh, Ellinger's grill on Saturday, in my opinion. J.B. Holt talks about the SEC versus Big 12 matchup here with LSU and Texas. To me, whenever I think about that, I think of whenever Alabama plays Oklahoma um, last year in the playoff. Does this game remind you of that or, like, two similar style uh, teams, like a high-powered offense versus a high-powered defense? Does that ring any bells to you for this game or remind you of the Alabama-Oklahoma game? Not necessarily. Last year, Alabama's defense wasn't as high-profile as the Bama teams that we've been accustomed to. As for this LSU defense, this LSU defense is absolutely high. And I think this LSU offense is much improved from last year, too. I just, you know, the way they handled business against Georgia Southern, yes, it was not – it was Georgia Southern, you know, not a, you know, power five opponent. But 
I really like the growth that Joe Burrow is showing, and I, I think this LSU offense is going to surprise some people to go along with their elite defense. And to me, they're definitely a, a top five team in the country. I don't even think Texas is a top ten team in the country. And just on paper, I think LSU is going to be able to uh, really handle Texas. Like, just like Cole was reiterating the matchups, like Texas hasn't seen a defense as deep as LSU's. And LSU, I think, is going to be able to win the battle on the on 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 the uh, lines too, especially with their defensive line. Um, LSU's defensive line is not even the best in the conference, but it's it's going to be able to win the battle up front, in my opinion. And I think I could see Texas, uh, you know, being being really shell shocked in in this game and not being able to move the ball hardly at all. And I actually wouldn't be surprised if this game's a blowout in LSU's favor. Ooh, interesting. Very high on LSU, it sounds like both of you are. Um, I am probably too, but like I said, like Holt said, Tom Herman does come out to play in big games. This one is at home. I do, it does remind me a few years ago whenever Texas beat Notre Dame, when Notre Dame was like, I think they were a top 10 team, and Notre Dame ended up having a bad, bad year after that, but it just looked really good at the time. I don't know if you all remember that, but that's what this reminds me of. Moving on to the other two games in the SEC, uh, Florida plays UT Martin. Uh, that's going to be an easy win that I really don't want to talk about unless um, you want to talk about Felipe Franks a little bit more hold and how much you don't like him. Yep. Um, I don't think this game really has much to talk about. Um, Felipe Franks doesn't throw like three interceptions in this one. Yeah, he could. He could, though, very well. You never know which if you're going to get good or bad Felipe. Um, Kentucky, Eastern Michigan hold. Is this a game that uh, Kentucky and Mark Stoops can finally get a win in the 20-25 point range? Um, I really hope so. I actually have not seen the spread on this game. Uh, I think James 15 Lincoln. and a half. Okay, so I think they cover that. You know, Kentucky actually did cover that. Um, as, as, Barely. as poorly as, as it seemed like they played, they did actually cover last week. So... That's definitely something to be excited about. Um, I do think they, you know, get a relatively easy win in this one. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that they're going to win like 55 to three or anything like that, but I expect them to get a solid. Uh... Debbie, any national game you want to talk about before we move on to our picks, or I guess anything else in the SEC? We could we could elaborate. Oh, 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 wait, wait, wait. JB, wait, there's more. We got to talk about Tennessee's comeback to glory against BYU. Excuse me, JB. Tennessee's favorite three and a half points. Are you at all comfortable with this game? Um, No, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> BYU is uh, the strength of BYU's is against what Tennessee's weakness is. BYU is strong on the offensive line and the defensive line, and that does not bode well for Tennessee at all. And I know that uh, Pruitt's trying to light a fire in his team, uh, you know, with some of his new motivations he's trying to put out on the team. But I still think this is a divided locker room, and it's a toxic locker room. You got some of the, you know, guys that for a few years that were under a former regime that was soft, and now Pruitt's trying to install his, you know, more intense, uh, you know, give it all culture. And you got too much of a clash right now in the locker room, and I don't think this team is ready for this game against BYU. And BYU's bringing a lot of fans as well. I like – I think BYU uh, has the advantage on the offensive line and defensive lines, and Tennessee is going to have a really tough game in this one. You think BYU is going to bring a lot of fans, or you think they'll like pack the stadium? 
No, no, they're not going to pack the stadium. But BYU at, likes to travel. Like to, usually one game a year, they like to travel to one place that uh, like the more marquee non-conference opponent, or marquee, excuse me, not non-conference, but the more marquee road opponent. And this year it's Knoxville, and they also BYU has a national fan base too. Uh, they have a contingent all over the country, and they have a contingent in Tennessee, too. And they're probably going to bring close to 10,000 fans to that game in Knoxville. So there will be a lot of BYU fans there. Oh, should the spread be three and a half in Tennessee's favor for this game, or is that too high? <laughs> no, I, I would actually take Tennessee to cover that. Um, you know, I think BYU definitely can do some things along the lines of scrimmage to, uh, you know, to mess with Tennessee and keep this a close game. But I just don't. BYU's offense, um, as uh, the Utah players so eloquently put it last week, is uh, poo-poo, I believe is what he said. Um, so I think offensively they really have uh, an inability to creating explosive plays. And in today's college football, I think it really comes down to, you know, which team can create more explosive plays in the game. And I definitely believe that Tennessee's offense with Jerry Cantano and those receivers is going to be able to create some big plays. Um, in the passing game, and um, I just don't think BYU is going to keep up with them. I expect Tennessee to win this one, something around like twenty-seven to thirteen, or you know, thirty-one to thirteen, something along those lines. JB, will you feel better if they win by double digits, or are you like already giving up the season altogether? I haven't given up the season, but I think uh, for most uh, fans to really uh, get a little bit of confidence back, I think they're going to have to, you know, blow the doors off at BYU and win it handily by 20-plus points. And as of right now, I just don't think no, no Tennessee is capable of it. JB, this game's going to clash with the LSU-Texas game. This one's starting at 6, and the LSU-Texas is starting at 6.30. Are you going to go away in your your silo to watch the BYU-Tennessee, or are you going to stick with the LSU-Texas game? I mean, I'm going to want to probably put it on IT, main living area, but <laughs> – you know, there's a lot of games on at 6 o'clock that we're going to have to flip between. Obviously, LSU-Texas is the biggest one, but we also saw Ole Miss that we're going to want to flip over to. Uh, obviously, probably the third one. To that, I mean, we're still going to want to check in on Tulane and Auburn and then Eastern Michigan and uh, Kentucky. So there's a lot of uh, games that in the 6 o'clock time slot that we're going to have our eyes on. Somebody tweeted out earlier today, it was like a Tennessee reporter, was talking about the split between Bush recruits and – Pruitt recruits right now. I think there's still more Pruitt recruits right now than Butch recruits, but it's not by that much. There's still a lot of Butch recruits is what I'm saying. Do you think Tennessee, the way they're played against Georgia State and their general like attitude or motivation is derives from Butch Jones recruiting players, or is, do you think it's just like a complete culture problem altogether, even with Pruitt too? It's a little bit of both, but Honestly, I think it's just a lot of the Butch players. Uh, the the culture that Butch had, it, it was like an asylum. Uh, he, the players had free reign under Butch Jones' uh, regime, and they also didn't really put a lot of emphasis in the weight room during the offseason. He ran a really lenient program. And then you bring in Jeremy Pruitt, who has that Nick Saban mindset that he's going to in, install discipline. And, you know, it rubs you know some of the upper upperclassmen the wrong way that had it easy under the Butch Jones regime. And then when you combine that with some of the – Pruitt recruits that are coming in and taking some of those guys' playing time, it definitely creates a uh, toxic atmosphere in the locker room. And until some of those Butch Jones recruits that are causing a lot of the toxicity in the in the locker room, I think it's going to be an issue going forward this season. 
I didn't watch all the Georgia State game, JB, but from what I was watching, they had a lot of like seems like quarterback option runs that threw off Tennessee's defense. Did, am I am I right in assuming that was like pretty much their game plan the entire game? And point two, does BYU have the offense similar to that, or do they just like line up and play? No, BYU is one of those teams that they run the more of a pro style West Coast style offense. They're going to want to run line up and uh, run it down your throat. Uh, they're not. They don't run the option. And uh, Tennessee against Georgia State wasn't as bad with stopping the run when it was under center. It was worse for them when they uh, were trying to run the option and get one get. And that's where Tennessee was not so good at. And you know that uh, BYU was seeing the film from that game, and they're going to have some plans for it. But you know, this is what Jeremy Pruitt's known as a defensive-minded guy. You would think he's going to try to come out with something, but it's it's not even about game plan. It's about getting the getting his team to play for him, like. You can't get his, your players to play for you like they did against Georgia State where they completely came out like a days ago with no energy. It doesn't matter what kind of game plan you have. Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that 100%. Um, you got to have your players motivated and ready to play and have some high energy. All right, I think we got to the point now where we can talk about national games for a few minutes before we get to our picks. Holt, what's the most exciting national game for this week? Um, you know, I'm actually pretty excited to watch the uh, USC-Stanford game. Um, I think that has a chance to be a really good game. Um, you know, obviously both quarterbacks are out, so that kind of throws a wrench into everything. And uh, it's going to be a late game, so, you know, like crazy stuff usually happens. Um, you know, I mean, it's just it's just kind of a good game. I also have a season bet on um, on Stanford as well. Um, they are now six wins away from me uh, cashing, cashing that ticket. Um, you know, I think Nebraska-Colorado is another one that you look at and you're just kind of like, you know, it's kind of old rivalry game, and um, you know, it's just it's it's always just kind of got like a just really cool like feel to it. Um, you know, even though they're not even though they're not in the same conference anymore, I'm glad that they're playing. Um, you know, obviously, Nebraska did not look great last week against South Alabama. Uh, they're still ranked though because they're Nebraska, and you know, people like their quarterbacks, so they get to be ranked. Um, even though they played like crab last week. Um, you know, I think Adrian Martinez is a good quarterback. I do like him. And the Colorado receiver, Chenault, I believe is his name. Yep. Great player. Probably one of the best receivers in the country, if not the best receiver in the country. So, looking forward to uh, to watching that one. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and give you mine, Alex, before we move on to our picks. The game that I really have circled, uh, watch out for Cincinnati against Ohio State. Cincinnati's defense is one of the best defenses in the group of five. Arguably the best defense in the group of five. And uh, they're coached by Luke Fickle, who coached for one season at Ohio State. And uh, he's, you know, familiar with the Ohio State program. Uh, he didn't coach any of these guys on the team currently. But Luke Fickle is going to be really motivated going into this game, has a little bit to prove. And uh, their defense is really solid. I would not be surprised to see uh, them be able to hold Ohio State below what their average is. And uh, if Cincinnati can make a few plays on offense, watch out. They might be able to uh, really sneak up on Ohio State in this one, especially with this being 11 a.m. kickoff or 12 o'clock kickoff in Columbus. What about the other 11 a.m. kickoff between Syracuse and Maryland? I kind of like this game because I just think about the high-powered offenses clashing here. Um, Maryland is a two-point favorite, but Syracuse is number 21 in the country. Oh, does that excite you at all, enough to watch it on one of the TVs? You know, I was just thinking if this game is going to make the rotation or not. Um, I definitely feel like Cincinnati and Ohio State is going to be on the big TV, and then maybe Vanderbilt-Purdue is going to be on the second TV. But uh, I do think this game could possibly sneak into that third slot, the streaming slot. 
Um, you know, either this or West Virginia, Missouri, probably, probably gonna be West Virginia, Missouri, but we'll just see, you know, after like the first quarter or so, we'll kind of make a judgment on, uh, you know, maybe halftime, maybe make a judgment on which games are, are the three best of the four. Um, and I was also thinking about placing a wager on one of these 11 a games since there's not any good ones. That's usually when I like to uh, to make my bets on the. I'd like to do time slots instead of, you know, same amount for for a day. Just because you know, if there's a time slot where there aren't a lot of good games, it just makes it a little bit more exciting. Um, but you know, I do think this could be a good game. Uh, Maryland, you know, beat somebody like 79 to nothing last week, and Syracuse, you know, freaking went like shut out some team that had a coach coaching from a hospital bed. So I mean, they're obviously got some bad karma coming their way after that. That was just. Not a very nice thing to do. Uh, obviously, this man is in a lot of pain, and they just can. Can somebody tell me, Hulk, can you tell me real quick? Because I've seen this. I've seen the picture of Hugh Freeze coaching from the hospital bed. And this might be a dumb question, but was he actually was he in the press box coaching from the hospital bed? Is that where he was? Because that's where I'm picturing. But the way yes. talking about it, everybody's talking no, about like, no, no, no. He was he was in a hospital bed in the press box. Okay, uh, coaching from an iPad with a head, and he okay. also. Did a pregame press conference, a postgame press conference, yeah. and uh, gave the pregame speech and the postgame speech to his team uh, from the hospital bed in the press box. Okay, yeah, that's that's what I figured because I, I kept hearing. I was like, there, people keep talking about it, like he was actually coaching from the hospital. I was like, was he actually coaching from the hospital? Because I wouldn't put it past him at this point. Now, is hearing about the hospital bed and everything. I mean, the way we have technology nowadays, uh, he probably wasn't able to successfully coach in the hospital. Yeah, but he wanted the attention. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know if he's trying to be at Liberty forever. That's that's probably where, what his goal was. But, like, I mean. Mine, in the, uh, he's coming for that Tennessee job, Alex. As, I mean, he can come for the Memphis job after Norbell, at least for hopefully not Tennessee, somewhere oh, else. Oh, yeah, like, if, if Pruitt fails at Tennessee and, you know, Sankey doesn't mind uh, Freeze coming back into the SEC <laughs> and knowing that Fulmer and Pruitt and Freeze have a history knowing each other, yeah, Freeze would probably take a Tennessee job in a heartbeat. But that's not just a Tennessee job. He would take almost any. <laughs> In a heartbeat. I just think yeah. it's funny. Like, if Tennessee hired Hugh Freeze, that would basically be like them admitting, like, look, like, we know whatever coach we hire is going to fuck up, but we at least want a coach who's going to fuck up and, like, win some games. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the desperation level is at that point. And there's been a, I've heard two different opinions on this where, and Tennessee tried to do this, John Gruden, but um, people are saying now that whenever they do fire Pruitt, because people are already assuming that it's going to happen eventually. Uh, people are saying that they just need to drop like $100 million on whatever proven coach they can get, whether that be Dabo Swinney, which they probably can't get, or somebody like Mike Leach or Gundy or whoever. I mean, they, they went after all these coaches, but like whoever their proven coach is, they, they just need to go after instead of trying to take a chance on these up-and-coming coordinators or you know head coaches at lower levels just because it just seems like it's not working, JB. Yeah, I mean, that. That's a story for another time, but yeah, when you look at the previous search, Tennessee is not throwing enough money around because they try to go to the bargain bin. Uh, <laughs> they really can't do that. They have to uh, throw some money around like they're in a strip club if they want to bring a coach, a high-profile coach, into Knoxville. They have to probably overpay that guy, too. For sure. Uh, and you might have to do another buyout. One last question before we get to our picks. This one's for you, Holt. A lot of people have been talking up Utah like they're a playoff contender and they can win the Pac-12 based off their performance against BYU and probably their schedule as well. Are you high on Utah as everyone else is? Um, well, Alex, I don't know if you've been on this podcast with me the past few weeks, but I did pick Utah to win the Pac-12. 
um, not based on their performance last week, but uh, just based I, – I really believe in their defensive line. I love Kyle Whittingham. He's, like, probably one of my favorite coaches in the country. Um, I just love how physical they are. They're just, like – they will just absolutely knock the snot out of you, like, every single play. And they're so good on defense. Their running back is a monster. He's a great player. And um, I just – I really like Utah this year. Um, they're not the kind of team who's going to, like, blow teams out, so I wouldn't be surprised if, if they kind of keep it close with Northern Illinois this week. Northern Illinois is a really solid program that's been to, you know, they went to a couple BCS games, um, you know, had a couple undefeated seasons. So, definitely, you know, a tough matchup. Utah is not the kind of team that's going to just go out and beat someone like, you know, 70 or nothing or anything like that. So, I suppose it's going to be relatively close. But, um, yes, I, I, I am one of those people who believes in Utah, Alex. I'm glad that you're reiterating your opinion in week two here. All right, let's get on to the world-famous picks. So we're going to do national games and SEC games, but not all SEC games because obviously some are very easy to pick. So um, I'm just going to get at it real quick. We'll start off with Syracuse and Maryland, and Holt and JB are going to pick these two together, which ties in with the bet at the end of the year, which I think Holt has to wear a Tennessee shirt and JB has to wear a Mississippi State shirt and make it their profile picture for a month. Is that correct? That is correct, and I currently hold a one-game lead over Holt, so I've got to, to, uh, I got to maintain it. Thanks yeah, to well, Memphis. That's, right? that's the, the best loss I've ever taken in my life. Uh, me losing because Only. because lost, I'll, I'll take that every yeah, time. For sure. All right, let's start this one off. Syracuse and Maryland. We just talked about this game. Uh, Maryland is a two-point favorite. Holt, who do you have? Uh, I'm going with Syracuse in this one. I'm a big fan of Dino Babers. I know this game is at Maryland. I know – Maryland scored like 79 points last week, but I got to go with uh, Syracuse in this one. Um, just big fan of Dino. And, um, you know, obviously defense played good last week getting the shutout, but um, I like Syracuse in this one. JB, who you got? I really like Syracuse as well. I'm a big fan of Dino Babers, and I really like that program to keep on taking another step. Future Tennessee coach Dino Babers? He is like 61, JB. You might have to. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a lot older than he looks. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't act like it either. So maybe maybe he could be JB. He might be better than Pruitt. I don't know for sure yet. Vanderbilt, Purdue, Holt. I hate to do it, but I'm going Purdue in this one. Jeff Brown's my guy. Um, They're at home. Um, You know, it's a typical 11 a.m. Big Ten game. Um, I I just really like Jeff Brown, and I think he's got exciting offense, and I just think they're going to be able to put some points in this one. And uh, I don't think Vanderbilt's quite going to be able to keep up. But I do think it's going to be a really close game. JB. This is two. This is a game with two teams with their backs against the wall. No one expects a Purdue to be zero and one going into this game. I like Purdue to win this one in a uh, statement manner. Still no separation. I'm hoping y'all are going to pick against each other eventually. Uh, South Florida at Georgia Tech. JB, I'm going to go with the South Florida Bulls in this one. I feel like this is a little bit tougher one. Hold. Ah <laughs> uh, man, that is this. Come is on, tough. be different. Be different, Holt. Um, obviously Georgia Tech is at home, but I just, I'm just not buying anything they're doing on the offensive side of the ball this year. Um, I really was hoping JB was going to pick Georgia Tech in this one, uh, because South Florida looked like crap last week against Wisconsin. They got absolutely steamrolled in that game and Georgia Tech played okay against Clemson. I guess maybe a little bit better than some people might've expected, even though they still got blown out. Um, but I am also going to have to go South Florida in this one, unfortunately. Y'all keep this up. We're going to start picking spreads soon. A&M, Clemson, JB. This is really tough for me. If we were going against the spread, I would pick A&M to cover, but I'm still picking Clemson to win this game. And 
fashion. Hold. <laughs> yeah, I'm also going Clemson. Um, close game, but Clemson. All right, this one, this one, I feel like we we have some we have some hope here, some differences. Uh, Nebraska, Colorado, Holt. Yeah, I'm going with Nebraska in this one. Um, Scott Frost, I think is gonna. <laughs> I know JB's picking that too. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they did struggle last week, but I do think they bounced back this week. Um, Mel Tucker is still kind of working through some things at Colorado, and I don't think they're quite where they need to be yet. Uh, it's gonna be a great atmosphere in this one. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Colorado won, but I'm going with Nebraska in this one. I think I combined two ones, but let me, let me go ahead and ask JB why he picked Nebraska again. Go ahead, JB. Well, last year, Colorado uh, came to Lincoln and upset Nebraska. Nebraska's got revenge on their minds. They're going to go into Boulder and lay a boulder on this Colorado team, and they're going to win. Mm, with with the wits, JB, never d- disappoints. So I think I have I have two games here. Um, I, I combined. I must have been drunk when I did this. Um, I have BYU at Texas, but I'm assuming y'all wanted – BYU at Tennessee and LSU in Texas, both both picks, right? Correct. Okay, so we'll start with BYU and Tennessee. JB. I'm going to go with the BYU Cougars in this one. Go Cougs. Oh, whoa, I, I kind of like that. Is that a um, – whatever it's called, a um, reverse psychology pick, JB? It is not. I actually just – the way that – I just – I don't believe that they're going to be able to um, turn things around. It's – it's really all about the players getting up and wanting to play this game. And I just don't think these players, all the players in this team are motivated. It's a really toxic environment. And when you have that kind of, uh, you know, poor chemistry, it doesn't just get resolved in one week, in my opinion. And also the fact that BYU matches up well we get to with superior line play on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I'm going to BYU to come into Knoxville and take the victory. Oh, tell me how wrong JB is. Yeah, I'm going to go Tennessee in this one. I kind of already talked about this um, earlier in the podcast, but I just think Tennessee's got a little bit more ability to make explosive plays. Um, I think BYU's offense, um, although they are physical and they will be able to run the ball a little bit, um, I don't think they're going to be able to create enough explosive plays, um, you know, to, to get in the end zone. Um, I think this gonna, they're not going to be able to put up too many points in this one, and I like Tennessee to get the win. Uh, something around like 27-13 or 31-13, something along those lines. Are we going to tweet Tennessee is back if they beat BYU? Yes. I think we should. And we're going to have some great picture with it, too. We should we should do Tennessee's back with a brick-by-brick brick picture. Yes. I like that. JB, are you down with that? Whatever floats your boat. JB, you're so numb to football. I don't like you anymore, man. <laughs> so Not to football. It's a Tennessee football. But that's okay. I understand your pain somewhat. Arkansas at Ole Miss, Holt. Uh, may surprise people with this one. I'm actually going to go to Arkansas, the underdog on the road. Um, man, I just was really not impressed with Ole Miss's offense last week against Memphis. Um, you know, not like Arkansas blew the doors off of Portland State last week or anything. They actually kind of struggled a little bit in that one. But I really think that Arkansas was hiding a lot of things that they're going to be doing on offense this season. I think Ole Miss had to show a little bit more last week. And um, I think Arkansas is going to have a pretty solid offensive game plan. Um, I don't think they're necessarily going to score a ton of points, but I think they're going to be able to come out and uh, have a good idea of how to move the ball. This is a game that Arkansas has like, really had circled. And I think maybe Ole Miss is feeling a little down in the dumps um, after losing that game last week. And uh, I think a lot of people already know that they're not going to make it through the season, especially if they lose this one. So um, I'm actually going to pick the upset here and go with the Arkansas Razorbacks and um, 
Um, if Arkansas is able to win this game, then they can finally um, get out of the cellar of our prestigious SEC uh, slow smoke power rankings and uh, possibly jump up to uh, number 13 or even number 12 if Tennessee messes around this week. I was just thinking about how funny it would be if we kept Arkansas at 14 if they, even if they beat Ole Miss. <laughs> Dude, I would love to see the reaction of the Arkansas fans. <laughs> you know they'd get pissed <laughs> off. We still us. kept like, 14 after that. They take us so serious, too. JB, are you going to go with the Hogs here? I'm going to give us a little more separation between me and Hold. I'm going with the uh, Rebels with this one and this one at home. Nice. I like that. I like the difference. Miami at North Carolina. Hold. Yeah, I'm going to go with Miami in this one. Um, you know, I think North Carolina had a nice little feel-good story last week, but um, I think they're going to get brought back down to earth this week. I think Miami um, really didn't play well two weeks ago. Uh, they had last week off to uh, to k- kind of get better and scout themselves a little bit. Um, I wasn't really all that impressed with North Carolina's offense. I think they just kind of were able to hit some big plays late in the game. And, um, you know, once Jake Bentley kind of got hurt a little bit, they uh, – you know, we're able to, they weren't really able to move the ball after that. So, um, South Carolina wasn't at least. Um, so, I'm going to go with Miami to get the win on the road. JB? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Canes with this one. Uh, I just like, uh, you know, Miami has a week off, you know, to, uh, you know, get ready for this one. And they've lost a really close win against a, uh, you know, much more talented Florida team. And Miami definitely has more talent than North Carolina. I like uh, Miami to go into Chapel Hill and, Beat a North Carolina team that uh, is pretty on, you know, kind of on cloud nine right now. And I think it can be brought back down to earth against the Miami Hurricanes. Stanford and USC. JB, is this the best rivalry in the Pac-12? Uh, arguably. I like Washington Washington State, honestly. I think that's one of the best ones. Oh, yeah. I kind of like it, the Apple. I like the Apple Cup. Obviously, Oregon, Oregon State is good, too. But Washington Washington State is my favorite rivalry. But as for this Stanford-USC game, I'm going to go with this, the – Ah, this is tough. But you go to Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. About go balls. Else. But, uh, yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> go. go with the, I'm gonna go with the Sanford Cardinal in this one. Yeah. Hold. Yeah, I can't go against Stanford. They're one of my sleeper teams this year. Um, even though, I mean, I guess both quarterbacks are hurt in this game, so um, it's gonna come down to which team can run the ball better. And um, we all know Stanford with all those tight ends they got. And uh, talented running backs, I feel like they're gonna have a little bit better chance to move the ball. Although they, you know, only I think they they ended up scoring seventeen on Northwestern last week, but it was like seventeen. It was a seven to ten um, when they were covered a fumble. I think on like the last play of the game for a touchdown to make it seventeen. So definitely not the most exciting offensive performance last week. Um, but I'm still gonna pick them in this one just because I think uh, I think USC is a little bit of a dumpster fire right now, and I think Clay Helton is uh, on his way out the door. Yeah, how could y'all pick against Clay Helton? He's a Memphis guy, you know. Yeah, I know. He can come coach Memphis after Nor- Norville takes uh, the Ole Miss job. <laughs> now we good, dog. We good. <laughs> we'll call you. <laughs> That's what I think about Clay Helton. We could get the um, Notre Dame offensive coordinator. I've got his name already, but uh, I think it's Chip Long. He, he goes to Memphis under Norville for a season. All right, that concludes our picks and our show. Any final words before we go and thanks, thank the listeners? Man, you don't want to talk about the LSU-Texas game? I thought we did. Well, I mean, we didn't pick it. Mm. You're right. You're right. Uh, I thought we did BYU at Texas already. My bad. Um, LSU and Texas. Holt. Uh, LSU big. Um, we didn't do bowl predictions on this one. 
But, um, yeah, I think JV's kind of with me on this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if LSU won this game pretty handily. Um, I think uh, LSU's about to go into Austin and make a statement. As Coach Ogeron would say, we coming. And I think it's going to be a big win for LSU. And I think LSU's not – or I think uh, Texas is not going to know what hit them. I wonder what the pregame speech in the LSU locker room is from Coach O, like if they can understand them and what does it sound like for this game? Well, they understand. These guys are Louisiana guys, so they know that accent. The real question is, uh, is that Orzron going to have to yell at them uh, during his postgame press conference to, uh, to quiet down in the locker room? <laughs> what about, what about uh, <laughs> tell him to quiet down he's got a press conference? <laughs> he's speaking. Right. I could see him, like, opening the door, like, to the locker room from the press conference. Like, hey, trying to do a press conference. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thank you. (laughs) That was one of the funniest things ever. JB, who you got in this game? We're going to come in, Dave. We're going to steamroll them. Go Tigers. I'm assuming that's uh, Coach O picking LSU. All right. So, we got LSU. We got the picks. So, the separation picks are – what uh let's see let me let me recall here we have separation between BYU and Tennessee and Arkansas and Ole Miss I think that's it right that is correct two games there will be separation and this either Holt can uh, come and take a one game lead or we can hold serve or I'll have a, a three game lead I've already got the Mississippi State stuff picked out for JB to wear I think I think that's all we got for today boys um if you've been listening thank you so much for listening uh, make sure you follow us on Twitter at SEC Slow Smokes and uh, leave us reviews so we know how good or bad we're doing and we can uh, get the show better for you. We'll see you next time after week two is over. See you. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh.